Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History total. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Bet On and Untuck It. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we are in the full swing of college hoop season. I know. NFL is over. We're not talking about it anymore. So I'm excited uh, to you know focus back in on college basketball. Indiana continues to be disappointing, but... This past weekend with Duke, UNC, LSU, Auburn, some other really good games. Like It's exciting, and March Madness is right around the corner. Exactly. We can get over our sorrows with a little bit of a cocktail of college hoops, little NBA and XFL um, to get us over the hump. What won't be getting us over the hump is more disappointment uh, related to our sports teams um, in IUBB. Um, they continued to... It just kind of uh, put a damper on things. Even Bobby Knight coming home, that wasn't that wasn't enough to uh, fire up this crew. It's it's pathetic to lose a game at home versus Purdue, who's your biggest rival. You had over a week to prepare for this game. Bobby Knight, who hasn't came back to Bloomington in 20 years, talks to the team before the game, and you still come out flat versus Purdue. You lose by 12 at home in a, a really big game, and... 
the thing that happened with Indiana last year and it's happening again this year, they're in a spot where they're on the bubble and they continue to have games versus teams that will only strengthen their resume, strengthen their case to get into March Madness, and they just continue to drop the ball. I'm so tired of this team, and I I tweeted this out on Saturday. Um, I just think they should fire Archie at this point. Yeah, I... I just don't know what's like gonna change uh, year over year. Trace had a had a nice game. He had 16 points in this one, uh, but the team just continues to kind of like uninspired. They make a lot of the same mistakes that we saw last year, quite frankly, um, in terms of turning the ball over too much, uh, giving up too many threes. Purdue shot 50% from three. It seems like every every game. Whatever team IU plays, they end up going off for a three. It's kind of a symptom of the pack line defense. We go seven for 21 from three. This uh, game, we actually shot well from the free throw line. That was a nice change of pace, 11 for 14. But I don't know. It's just kind of the same old story. You don't see enough out of the guards. I miss Yogi so much. We were so lucky uh, having him in our lives. Robert Finnessy and Al just haven't really taken the next step forward. Devontae Green, it's just kind of been more of the same out of him. He's one for seven in this game. He goes off in the game versus Florida State, and watching this right now, they're in a three-point game on the road at Duke. We rolled Florida State. Devontae Green went off, and that that win is single-handedly kind of keeping us in the mix. We're a 10 seed right now, according to Joe Lenardi. This team, no no IU fan that I've spoken with actually enjoys watching this team. It's it's a it's a tough state of affairs here. That's the thing. We couldn't stand Cream, but at least their teams for the most part were fun to watch. They'd be up and down, shoot a lot of threes. This team is just so miserable, and like you said, it's the same thing every game. And it happened last year. It's happened again this year, where they start off the season really well. And then midway through the year, they're getting worse. That's not what you want to see out of your team. You want to see the team getting better as the season goes on, as the rotations get ironed out, guys get comfortable playing with each other. We're just not seeing that, and people are regressing. Rob Fennessy, who I thought was really good last year as a freshman, when he got hurt, the team kind of fell apart. He hasn't really taken any step this year. He's been so inconsistent. Al Durham has gotten worse. I think Justin Smith just hasn't really developed any sort of game. So it's disappointing to see, and I just I don't know how they're going to get better. I just don't think Archie's the answer. The way his buyout works, it's unlikely they fire him after this year. But, you know, they have how many games left? Two, four. They have about eight games left. If they go like two and six, three and five, which isn't out of the realm of possibilities, and miss the tournament again, I think it should be strongly considered letting him go. The team just isn't getting better. And this is college basketball where it's not that hard to turn around a program. Just look in the Big Ten. Illinois, who was really bad a few years ago, they bring in Brad Underwood. They're top 25 and look really good and like a, a team that can make a run in March Madness. So it shouldn't be this difficult. IU wasn't coming off all these sanctions like there were when Crean got there. He didn't take over a great team, Archie, but they just aren't getting better. So like, why waste another year? It's just Nothing is improving. The offense sucks. The defense is bad. They're just, they're they're just terrible. We we needed to 
We needed to get over uh, the 49ers loss. I use not helping. Drum Hunter seems to be a little bit of a ray of hope in my mind, but I don't know. Besides that and Trace, there's not a whole lot to be thrilled about there. But you know what is uh, something to be excited about, Tyler? The interview we have coming up uh, for our listeners with Greg Peterson. He's a a VSIN, so Vegas Sports and Information Network. He's a, he's on one of the radio shows. He's a college basketball specialist in Tyler. An all-time interview with him. Uh, he bets on every single game uh, with the spread and the total. Um, so super knowledgeable, extremely energetic guy. Um, so everyone enjoy the interview, and then we will be talking a little XFL, NBA All-Star Game, and a little NBA Futures on the other side of the interview. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to be joined on the Full Slate Airwaves by Greg Peterson, host of Hoopin' with Hoops podcast and Vizin Radio host as well. Greg, welcome to Full Slate. Happy to have you here. Gentlemen, great to be on with you. How are you today? <laughs> we are great. We are great. I love the energy out of you. Um, uh, Greg, we kind of ran into each other on the Twitter streets. Tyler tagged me in one of your tweets. And the more we dug into it, the more we were like, we got to get Greg on the show. Uh, first off, you play every total inside in every college basketball game. Um, so would love a little background on how you ended up there um, and generally your process. Oh, yeah. First things first, I wound up working at the Vegas Edge Information Network about three years ago. How it all started is that I've always been a little bit of a sports nut. I'll give you just a whole backstory. Back when I was a kid, my mom used to work a lot, so she used to drop me off with my grandpa. My grandpa decided, you know what, there's a lot of like bad stuff on TV, everything like that. So he would always show sports. So I grew up watching a lot of NFL, NBA, everything like that. College basketball wasn't necessarily on my radar until about, I was about 13, though. That year was 2005. My mom had me fill out a bracket, and I wanted to have the Wisconsin Badgers have a little bit of an easier road in the NCAA tournament. They were supposed to play in the round of 32 big bad Kansas. So who do we put in there instead? 14 seed Bucknell. I knew nothing about them whatsoever. They sounded intriguing, and they had an orange color. So I was just like, <laughs> Susie, when she's filling out your bracket and your bracket like, that was, that was 13-year-old Greg. Lo and behold, the bracket does really good. It finishes in the top 50. How? Why? I have no idea. But I decided, hey, this is pretty fun. You get to see all these upsets, these random schools that I don't know. I mean, when I was 13, I probably didn't even know where Vermont was, but I thought they would knock off Syracuse, and they did. So that was great, and I just followed it all throughout high school. I really got into bracketology. Joel Lenardi is personally a little bit of a hero of mine because he broke down all that stuff. And then I wind up going to college for radio TV film. My senior year, there was a betting spread on a UW Oshkosh game. I figured that this was a rarity. I go to a little D3 school in the middle of Wisconsin because they want to play South Dakota State, an FCS school. I thought that it was absolutely insane that five times we're putting out there a betting spread of UW Oshkosh catching 45 points when they take the game last minute against South Dakota State, figure they would show a little bit of urgency. I go to fire in $60 to try to get back 50. I was laying the minus 120 juice. That was a rookie mistake. But with that said, it is all good. 
And before I could even place in there the bet, the odds had moved. I didn't even know that that was a thing with regards to sports betting at the time. It went to 46 and a half. So I was getting even more value. So I'm just like, ooh, I got even more points. Go figure. They lose by 35 points. From there, I wind up going to college, bouncing around Nashville, Tennessee. And then we wind up going to uh, Portland, Oregon to work for the official radio station of the Oregon Ducks. And while I was there, I ran into a guy, a coworker. He always used to bring up betting spreads. He was like, oh, what would you make Oregon, Oregon State? What would you make this game? And I'm typically within two numbers of the line. So if I would think that Oregon, Oregon State would be like 10, typically it came out like 9. I had a little bit of a gift for it. And that person wound up not working in Oregon for overly long, but he wound up taking a job out in Las Vegas. I was working part-time, barely making it go on the rent, and I was told that there was a full-time opportunity out here in Vegas. I decided to take it and run with it. I was actually doing more behind-the-scenes work. I was not someone that was on air. That was never really a thought. But Matt Humans, who many of you guys know for the Vegas Action Information Network, he saw that I was doing a lot of good work with college basketball. He made a suggestion. You should put out there your Twitter plays, and so that way everyone gets a little bit of a grasp of them. I was betting a few of them. I wasn't betting all of them at the time. And what I had noticed is that I would put out their plays and I'd put out their leans. The plays weren't going so hot. I was losing money on them. The leans were white hot. Every single one of these games that I had a good grasp of but didn't put down my money on, they were hitting like wildfire. So it's like, you know what? I think I need to expand the strike zone a little bit. Clearly the plays that I have my biggest advantages on, maybe I don't, but at the same time, these games that are on the fringe, that's where my true advantage is. So I wind up expanding the strike zone. Those are doing a little bit better, but I noticed that there were still games I wasn't playing. It's like I would have hit on all of these again. So we expand the strike zone again, <laughs> and it keeps going and going and going until it's like the last play, and it's like, I still have an edge here, whereas I probably don't have as much of an edge on play number three. So it just really all ballooned from there. So I went from a guy that gave out a couple plays a day to a guy that picks everything because, honestly, I just found that it works for me. I mean, everyone in this industry has a little bit of a different way of going about it. For me, play number 157 on a Saturday sometimes has a little bit of a bigger advantage than play number two. How or why? I don't necessarily know, but it's been working for me these past couple of years. Greg, I love this story, and I love your energy. And your energy... <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yeah, your energy is uh, particularly surprising because your routine you do every day is pretty wild. You run 12 miles each day. You only eat after 10 p.m., and you only sleep around three hours. How did you get into that routine, and how do you function? <laughs> uh, I'm... Currently going to be opening up a Rockstar Zero Sugar. It looks like this is the fruit punch variety, so that is going to keep me going through this. And it's just one of these things where I love what I do. It's one of these things where you should never feel like you're ever working a day in your life. When you achieve that, everything is gravy. All my life, I wanted to work in sports. I didn't necessarily see myself doing sports gambling when I was six years old, being a kid from little Appleton, Wisconsin, that's not necessarily something that was of mine, but I always had a little bit of an affinity for Vegas, watching all the movies, and heck, I still get a rush every time I drive down the Las Vegas Strip, I see the Raiders Stadium being built, I see all the flashing lights, the big hotels, it's just such a thrill to me. Every single day, I feel very lucky for the situation that I'm in right now, 
And I always try to give it back with just trying to give some positivity, try to help people out on Twitter, try to just be my full self. And I think that that is so important because I recognize that there are so many people that they serve our country. They're doing jobs that are grimier, like they're out in coal mines and everything like that. I have an, an uncle that they're farmers. They wake up at 5 a.m. every single day. They're milking cows. They're making sure that there's food on the table for the good people of America. And I'm out here just being a goofball, giving out college basketball picks. So, I mean, if these people can do all that they do, I can give some energy, and I can do my best every day. Okay. I mean, so 12 miles every morning, rain, rain or shine? Rain or shine, if there's snow, I'm still going to be jogging 12 miles. If there's a tornado cane, you'll see me in some sort of an old, <laughs> ready college basketball jersey and shorts. I'll be out there. Hell yeah. we, we need you as a motivational speaker by our side. You're really getting me pumped up uh, for the day. But going back to, you know, your process of betting every game, every total, you know, how how do you do research, you know, because everyone knows about a Duke, a Kansas, a Kentucky, but teams in, you know, the Southland or the Colonial Conference, do you give those teams the same attention or are you kind of blindly placing bets on those teams? I give every single team the same amount of attention because – there's money to be made on Duke. There's money to be made on Kansas. And no doubt, these games in the smaller conferences, you're not going to have the same limits on. You're not going to be able to bet a Stephen F. Austin versus Lamar game the same way that you are Duke versus North Carolina. That's just the reality of it. I'm a little bit of a lower limits player, so that's something that doesn't affect me very much. When you've got, at times, 300 plays on a Saturday, you're not firing dimes on every one of them. That's putting it very, very politely. But with that said, I just have a belief that Every single one of these games, there is an advantage out there or else you're going to get a push. The big thing is you need to find it. If you're able to hone in on the Southland, there's a lot of money to be made. Like with the Southland this year, we're noticing that all these totals are going over because Houston Baptist doesn't want to play a lick of defense. You've got Ian DeBose giving the team 20 <laughs> points. But, I mean, someone needs to step up and say, Coach, this is getting a little bit embarrassing. We're giving up 100 points on the regular. And then when you take a look at just some of these – squads out there in the ACC. Yeah, you've got a little bit more information, but what that also means is that there's a little bit of a tighter line in these lesser conferences. You're going to be able to pick off these bookmakers because they may not be following the injury wire with, say, South Carolina State not having someone like a Demani Applewhite who's the team's top scorer. They might be asleep on the wheel at that. Meanwhile, <laughs> if someone like Cole Anthony's up for North Carolina – you're not going to be able to get that with bookmakers. So it's a little bit hit or miss. With the bigger conferences, obviously you have more information to choose from, but you're less likely to be able to pick off the bookmakers, if that makes sense. So it all balances out. Definitely does. Um, so being that you're from Wisconsin, and Tyler and I both went to IU, so we are Hoosiers through and through here. It's been a wonky year in the Big Ten. Right now, Lenardi's got 11 teams penciled in. Michigan State just dropped out of the top 25. Everything that's happening with home teams uh, this year. Curious to get your thoughts on that, Greg, and if you've been on the profitable side of that trend. And so that's my first question. But B, do we have to start uh, trending towards the road team? Because at some point it's going to have to bounce back, right? Oh, you're certainly going to see a little bit of regression. But with that said, the biggest thing is you do have to adjust your ratings a little bit for home court advantage because what we're finding out there in the Big Ten is that it doesn't matter who is at home. Heck, 
even Nebraska has a couple wins over the likes of Iowa and Purdue. So I do think that this is one of these situations in which you have to play it a little bit situation by situation. But I do think that this is a trend that's here to say because we're out here in the middle of February. If this thing was drying up, it probably would have dried up by now. Maybe you find a couple more road teams rise up to the top. You are noticing that some of these teams are getting their full complement of players. So I think that Isaiah Livers coming back from Michigan is going to help. But with that said, I do think that this is one of these things in which it's a little bit conference by conference. We're noticing that in big in the Big East, road teams are doing a little bit better, ACC as well. And I think that this year, more than any other years, it's really one of these spots in which things are varying by the conference because they're all just so unique and different. Yeah, it's a very open year, and it's been very wonky. And in the top ten right now, we have three teams who aren't in power. Conferences, Gonzaga, uh, Dayton, and San Diego State. And Gonzaga at this point isn't really, I would consider, mid-major. They've been so good for so long. But between San Diego State and Dayton, which of those two teams do you think has the best chance of getting to the Final Four? I think it's San Diego State because they've got one thing that travels very well, and that is defense. They are able to just put the clamps down on you, and they do a good job of just being able to run their offense in general. You've got K.J. Fagan along with Malachi Flynn. Both of these guys do a rock-solid job of not turning the ball over. And then you've also got a San Diego State team that, despite the fact that they've got all that defense, top 15 with regards to points per possession with that regard, they also are able to turn it on on offense. We saw that. When they played against Air Force a few days ago, they were able to hang over 85 points on the board. They were able to in New Mexico State. They ranked in the top 25 with regards to three-point shooting percentage. And Dayton's a nice team, but they don't have as much experience with that regard because you've got a Malachi Flynn. While Washington State never made the NCAA tournament, he's used to going up against the likes of Oregon. He's used to going up against the likes of an Arizona. You don't quite have as much of that with Dayton. Now, Dayton obviously did look impressive when they played in their non-conference against the likes of Kansas and Colorado, but they're not really necessarily being challenged out there in the A-10 either. So I would have to give my lean to San Diego State. Okay. I'm I'm sold after all that, and they're undefeated. Um, so, Greg, as someone who basically has has kind of a, a feel on all of D1 college basketball, um, we're recording right now. It's February 10th. This will be released on the 11th, so a little over a month away from March Madness. Who's the one player that no one knows right now, but we will all know in about five or six weeks? That is a good question. you got to be going to the mid-major ranks, and I think that loud and low is a guy that we might know a little bit more about because with Wright State, I think that they're going to run through the horizon. Like, I think that they're going to give a scare to whoever they play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You may recall that this team made the tournament two years ago. They were very young and experienced when they were a 14 seed going up against Tennessee. It was not their day, but now you've got Loudon Love, Bill Wampler, Cole Gentry. These guys are very good. And with Wright State, they've gotten to at least 70 points in all but one of their games so far this year. That tells you that they are highly consistent. They're able to flow their offense. Loudon Love, six foot nine, 275 pounds. He gives the team 16 points. Gives the team 10 rebounds, a little bit over a block per game. He was a little bit banged up, but this is a guy that he's got like sort of the braids in his hair, everything like that. This guy is just a man down low. He has really <laughs> taken off ever since his freshman oh year, God. and I think that if Wright State is able to pull off one of these upsets, we're going to be noting how Loudon Love was able to perform in that game. 
And it's in alliteration, too, so that could be catchy. Uh, on the oh, yeah. Streets. Okay. All right. Mental note. Um, Lad in love. All right. Right state. Um, Tyler, what, uh, what other questions do you have for Greg here? Yeah, so going back to this past weekend, was I think the best weekend we've had so far of college basketball. NFL's over now. feels like all eyes are back on college basketball. We had Duke, UNC, and Auburn, LSU. Two brutal losses for UNC and LSU, and almost for betters of the underdog teams. Luckily, they ended up still covering in overtime. Did you find yourself on the right side of those games, or where were you? I had North Carolina catching the points. That one was good. LSU is a game that I had catching the points as well. The big one was I was on the under in LSU versus Auburn. That is one where (laughs) you pour out a little bit of whatever you're drinking right now. That was absolutely brutal. That thing looked like an under through and through. And then buried three, buried three, buried three, overtime. And we all know they call it overtime and not under time for a reason. So I was on the right <laughs> side of the spread on both of those. That total, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that 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 one will sting a little bit. I agree <laughs> with what, what Tyler said. Now that NFL is done, XFL is here, uh, which is giving us all a little bit of action on football. But it feels like it's truly college basketball's time to shine. One of the reasons it kind of feels like this year especially with James Wiseman uh, kind of leaving early, all the star power that was around last year around Zion and that Duke team, this year is like a little lackluster at top. And I think you see that in the futures right now. I just pulled this up via bet online. Um, the favorite one at all right now is Gonzaga. They're at seven to one, um, which feels high uh, for at this point on February 10th. So, Greg, here's my long-winded way of asking: Who's the team that you like to win it off? You have to kind of put your money on one team, and maybe a long shot um, at this point that you are interested in. If I'm looking at a long shot, I would have to go with Colorado. With Colorado, this is a bunch that they do a little bit of everything. You've got McKinley right the fourth, along with Tyler Bay. They combine for about 24 points per game. Both guys could shoot a combined 40% from three. Bay a little bit over 40%. McKinley right a little bit under it. But with McKinley right assisted turnover ratio of two, they were able to go toe-to-toe with Dayton, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. And they do it in a variety of different ways. We've seen them just completely land base a Utah team by like 30 points, scoring 90 points in the process there. And then we saw them against an interstate foe a few months ago against Colorado State, a team that's playing very well out there in the Mountain West, held them to below 50. This is a team that ranks in the top 25 with regards to defensive efficiency. They do a good job of hitting the glass. They've got guys that are able to come in, and they're able to bury threes. And this is a team that pretty much lost nothing from last year. So you've got good camaraderie there. If you're looking for a little bit more of a power conference team, I'd be looking at a school that last I checked at the South Point was 30-1 to in Oregon. The big reason why I'd be looking at Oregon, and I know that some people may look at this as a little bit more of a long shot, is how about what you've got at the controls? Dana Ullman, he is a wizard when it comes to the X's and O's. I always thought that John Beeline was the best coach in all of college basketball. Dana Ullman was number two. Now that John Beeline is having to suffer out there in Cleveland, I like handle for him. <laughs> now he's the number one coach, and he's got running the point guard spot, a guy that is played in a Final Four in Peyton Pritchard. It's been so long ago. I remember I was talking about this a few minutes ago. I used to work for the official home of Oregon Ducks Athletics out there in Portland, Oregon. 
Back when I was working out there, Peyton Pritchard was the point guard. That tells you how anxious this guy is. So he's able to run the offense. He's able to give you 18 and a half points, chip in their six assists. You have a little bit of trepidation with Oregon's free throw shooting, but they've got a bunch of guys like Francis Okuro, along with Shakar Jusin. They're able to give you rebounds. Anthony Mathis comes in as a transfer from New Mexico. They've got a bunch of guys that have been in the NCAA tournament before. They've got a bunch of experience. They've got a guy that's been in the point guard spot in a Final Four before. I will be looking at Oregon in a year of uncertainty, lean to the experience. All right, Oregon yeah. is at sorry, Tyler. Oregon's at twenty to one here, and Colorado forty to one. So some real value there. Yeah, I really like the Oregon pick. Like you said, um, their coach is always very underrated. Just feels like because they're at West, but. Going back to the team that's been number one for the last few weeks, Baylor, is this the year Scott Drew could get that team deep in the NCAA tournament, or are they just going to fold early like they always seem to do? I think that this is a year that Baylor finally breaks through. Scott Drew has really invented himself as a coach. We saw it last year because last year Tristan Clark was the team's top scorer and rebounder. He goes out of the folds. Scott Drew has to scrap everything. He wound up having to use a guy that was originally playing college basketball at the D3 level, being a D3 graduate, I send a little bit of a salute to Freddie Gillespie. He's taken off, and he's been very good for this team. And he's really been able to parlay that this year, Ed, that Baylor had so many different ways to win. They're able to beat you by getting the 70-plus. We saw that over the weekend when they face off against Oklahoma State, and they're able to hold teams down to 40. First time they played against Baylor versus Texas. We're recording this before we know the outcome of the game that happened on Monday, but first time these two teams played, 59-44, to Baylor is able to change your pace, they've got a lot of buy-in, they've not allowed more than 70 points in a game ever since they played Villanova, and that was right around Thanksgiving time out in the state of South Carolina, so this team has all the goods, great defense, a couple good three-point shooters, and they just don't beat themselves. All right. Awesome. This, Greg, this has been an incredible recap. One on your personal uh, kind of philosophy on life. I think Tyler and I are ready to run through a wall. And <laughs> and two, just to get fired up, it's finally, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting excited uh, for college basketball season. IU's been bringing us down for a lot of it here, but it's it's that time of year. So, Greg, where can our listeners uh, follow you on Twitter and, again, uh, the name of your podcast? name of the podcast is Hoopa with Hoops. I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board every single day. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And Hoopin is spelled H-O-O-P-I-N. So no G on the end of that. And if you're looking for that, my VSIN appearances, everything like that, hope for that. Twitter, at GNRSCORDY1. Trust me, I am active on there. You will, if you send in a question, a snarky comment, I'll give you a reply. We'll have some fun on there. I always love being able to interact with people and just helping people in general just become better betters. And even if the picks aren't hitting that night, just maybe a couple laughs along the way. Awesome. Greg, and uh, what's your pick for Texas uh, Baylor tonight? Just so Tyler and I could lock it in. Baylor's, as I'm seeing it right now, laying six points, laying the points with the Bears. Okay. Awesome. Locking that in as we speak. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Greg. Have a good night. You too. Thank you, gentlemen. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at 
just the right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free bundans, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to help you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. And thanks again to Greg for joining us. Absolutely electric guest. I don't think we've ever had someone on the podcast, Cody, with that much energy. Or just anyone I've ever talked to in life. Yeah, I think he's the most energetic human I've ever met uh, virtually. Yeah, and he runs 12 miles a day. He's very inspirational. I mean, I just need him talking as like maybe my alarm when I wake up in the morning or just something to read on my way to work to get me excited for the day. But let's move into a little XFL talk. We had the first weekend of the XFL this past weekend with four games. We already had a coach get fired, so maybe this league is for me. Um, the Wildcats fired their defensive coordinator. Pepper John. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, the Los Angeles Wildcats. Um, let's see what the quote is. Winston Moss called the, the decision difficult, you think, after one game? <laughs> they, uh, they, they got crushed. I know, because I took them. They're big underdogs on Saturday. Yeah, so I guess this is a league I should love because they fired a coach after one game. Um, But I don't know how you feel about it, Cody. I think it's cool to have another league. I like the rules they have as far as the kickoff. You know, people were getting so excited about how they were showing the total, like the the, uh, over-under on the ticker. Like, I don't know. Was it that interesting? It was like an extra piece to it. I thought if you're going to do it, have maybe something on the side that's showing – the live total, the spread, maybe like a like the first half bet, props, st- stuff like that. If you're just showing over under 51, like what is anyone getting out of that? I agree with that. I think it is uh, cool that they're leaning into it. I think over time they're going to have to workshop uh, how to make that a little more dynamic and interesting. But I for for a recovering NFL fan, and we'll be recovering for a while here, uh, I, I enjoyed watching it. I thought the product was actually pretty good. Um, I like the rules. You, you mentioned the kickoff. I really like the extra point as well. And if any of these games go into overtime, the overtime rules are also kind of crazy. I think each team gets the ball from the opposing team's five-yard line, I think it is. They get five chances to score, and if the offense scores, they get a point. If the defense holds them, they get a point. Um, so they're doing different stuff like that. Um, I like how you get a little more insight in terms of uh, – the referees and the review process. So for one weekend, I've enjoyed it. And the atmosphere at the New York Guardians game actually looked pretty good uh, just from a couple people on my Instagram feed being there, plus uh, plus just generally on TV. I was kind of shocked how much of MetLife they actually filled out. Um, and in terms of the league's success, it seems like 
it's going to stick around for at least a couple weeks as long as it's uh, financially solvent compared to the AAF. Uh, DraftKings and FanDuel uh, said that just the games loan on Saturday did 20 times the handle, so the total amount bet, than the first two games of the AAF the year before. Seems like they're doing a better job marketing it, plus the fact that it's on Fox, ESPN, um, and what, what's the other one? Maybe ABC. ABC. Yeah, so, I mean, they're getting big-time uh, boosts to do this. Greg Olson, and I think it was Kevin Burkhart were on the call for the game I was watching, and, I mean, it was enjoyable. <laughs> so, just to, ha- just to have as an option on the weekend uh, compared to only basketball, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm tempering my expectations because the AAF last year opened up and had great ratings. The attendance was pretty good, and that folded like five weeks later. So I'm tempering my expectations for it. They were on CBS. Some people would say that's a big network as well. So I don't know. It's just I, I don't believe <laughs> only the opening week. In. Yeah. No, it was what, what channel is it on moving forward? I think it was on like TNT and Bleacher Report was streaming it. I was mm-hmm. reading about that earlier. But okay, yeah, point made. But uh, it'll be something we'll monitor as uh, as it goes on. Um, but yeah, I think what they need is to get some super marketable ex-NFL player. They said they're not bringing in Kaepernick. I don't even know if he'd want to do it. Menzel said he doesn't want to. Until they're able to get that, for me personally, I'm not drawn in, and I was listening to someone talk about it earlier, and they made a good point. You know, in a few weeks, and what we talked about with Greg, we have March Madness coming up, and then the Masters, baseball starting, NBA playoffs, NHL. The XFL is going to be going up against all of this in a few, like a month or so, so we'll see how great those ratings are. I wish them nothing but the best, but for me, a second football league I just don't think is ever going to happen. This is February is really uh, the XFL's month to shine. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's gonna work, it's gonna work in February, and we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, I can see it working uh, once. I don't know if it's still going once the finals are done. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's gonna be around by then. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll get through a year. I'll give. I'll say they'll finish the season on like the half, but. They're going to get through a year. I think they're going to make it. Um, but NBA All-Star game upcoming this weekend. Um, so it's time for our betonline.ag lock of the week, Tyler. Uh, betonline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. Um, so we're going to give out a pick related to um, the dunk contest or three-point shootout. Um, they changed the rules a little bit here in terms of the three-point shootout. They're actually, I think two of the racks are going to have a shot from, uh, I believe, 29 feet out, so even deeper uh, three-point shot compared to years past. Tyler, I will let you go first here. Um, And just for background, do you normally have success betting uh, these skill competitions? Uh, not that I can remember, but it's in Chicago Same. this year, so in my city, I feel like I have a better, you know, finger on the pulse here. So for my bet online pick of the week, I like Trey Young in the three-point contest, plus 500. Um, so Damian Lillard's plus 375 as the favorite, and then it's 
Davis, Bertans, Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris, Trey Young, all at plus 500. Buddy Heald, plus 700. Zach Levine of the Bulls, plus 715. Devontae Graham, plus 1,000. First of all, can they not get bigger names for this? Um, just some of the random guys, and even in the dunk contests, again, you don't have the biggest names in there. I, I don't understand how the NBA isn't able to get bigger stars in these competitions. But like I said, I like Trey Young at plus 500. I think it's good value, and you know he sh- shoots a ton of threes now. He makes he makes the sixth most per game in the NBA, and Trey Young he puts up really good stats on a really bad Hawks team. So I feel like this is a good opportunity for him to be in the spotlight in the three point contest. Everyone watching, so I like him at plus five hundred. I think it's good value, and I think he can just go off in this uh, type of event. It's his first. I don't I don't know if he was in it last year, but he's a second year player, so he's gonna like try to win this type thing. Yeah, yeah, I I I like that one at five to one. Uh, Devontae Graham's also interesting at ten to one. Um, I don't think I'm gonna bet on that one, but kind of feels like a true underdog story just all year out of him. Um, so this could kind of be a storybook ending there. I'm also, going. Sorry, one one more point on Trey Young. He wasn't named to the USA. Uh, like 44 preliminary roster for the Olympics this upcoming summer, and he mm-hmm. said he was hurt by that. So I that think he's going to be he's going to be motivated. No one, uh, everyone. Whenever you bring up Trey Young, you have to bring up Luca. So I think he's going to pump his chest a little bit in this and try to put on a show. Mm, prove that he might be better than Luca. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm staying within the same contest. I'm going with I'm going with the favorite. Because he's still at plus 375, so I kind of like those odds. I'm going with Dame. This kind of just feels like his season. Uh, The Trailblazers were, like, kind of ridden off for dead. Uh, But he's put together an incredible stretch here. His numbers are insane this year. He's averaging the most threes per game he has uh, his entire career. He's making four a game. He's taking ten. He's getting plenty of practice in. He's good from long, long range, which is an intriguing factor for uh, for this year with the rule changes, with the, some of the deep shots they're adding. So I think Trey Young, like you said, Tyler, he's worth a flyer because he's great from uh, all the way out. Um, and it just kind of feels like Damian Lillard, he's had a chip on his shoulder his entire career, one. Um, but he's the kind of guy that's like one of, besides Russell Westbrook, I feel like Damian Lillard's the most like Kobe that we have in the NBA. He's kind of come out and spoken against Kevin Durant for leaving teams. He said he wants to win in Portland. He's not going to leave and kind of join a winner. Um, and I think he's going to take this extremely seriously. Um, he's going to want to win, and he's still he's incredible, but it still feels like he maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves in being like a true superstar in the NBA. Um, so I, I, I like I like him at plus three seventy five. I'm I'm riding with Dame. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I mean, he's a favorite for a reason. He's the best player in the competition. And as you said, he he always plays hard, plays with a chip on his shoulder. You know, as Laker fans, Portland is almost, they're like making a run to get the eight seed with Memphis. I'm hoping they miss the playoffs because Damon, CJ in the first round is not an, like, the Lakers would probably still win that series, but it's not as easy as playing Memphis. So 
I hope they avoid Dame, and I think he, he tries hard in everything he does. He's not going to just mail this in like sometimes some people do. So I think it's a good pick, and plus 375, you know, for a favorite. Still really good value. Um, so let's move on before we wrap up. Just, you know, all-star break coming up. Mid, It's past the midway point in the season, but still kind of the midway point. Let's talk about futures, odds to win the NBA championship. So on bet online right now, the Bucks are plus 250. They're the favorite. Then you have the Lakers plus 275. Clippers plus 350. And then there's a drop off from there. Who do, who do you like um, on this list as far as the odds go? Uh, it's a good question, Tyler. Um, I mean, the Bucks are truly putting together an, an all-time season right now. Um, but for whatever reason, I'm I'm not like I'm not fully on board yet uh, that they can win it all. I don't know. I still I do still feel like the Clippers are the best team in the NBA, assuming Kawhi and Paul George are healthy come May. Um, I just I don't think anyone's beating them. Uh, but at plus three fifty, I don't love that value plus the injury risk. I I see some value further down the list here uh, in the Miami Heat at twenty to one. Um, I like I like what they're doing with Jimmy Butler, Bam, uh, who is making his first All Star game appearance. Um, Duncan Robinson. They kind of have all these random guys like Pat Riley. He got uh, dragged through the mud for giving guys like Tyler Johnson the big contract a couple years ago. James Johnson, Deion Waiters, all these guys. Um, but they've put together a solid team and. I know the Bucks are kind of running away with this thing out east, um, but I think the Heat at twenty to one are interesting to win it all. Or even, I'm gonna scale this down. Your original question was to win it all. I'm intrigued by them at seven to one. Um, and Tyler, another team similarly out east because the Bucks are really, I don't know. I'm I'm fading them a little bit until Giannis proves it to me in the finals. Or sorry, in the uh, in the playoffs, they can get his team there. I also am intrigued by the Raptors at eight. Oh, you you stole you stole mine. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I the Raptors right now are the hold on. Yeah, they're the they're two, two seed. seed. They're the two seed in the East. Yeah, and my my issue gripe with this is looking at to win the championship. They have the Sixers over. The Celtics, Heat, and Raptors at fourteen to one. I am so done with the Seventy Sixers. Apparently, like ten minutes ago or a half hour ago, Joel Embiid posted an Instagram uh, saying, "You either die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain." It seems like that's trending towards a breakup. Him and Simmons can't play together. There's been all the reports of the jealousy between those two guys. One of those guys is not going to be on the team next year. Um, and they're just so dysfunctional. I thought coming into the year, they would be probably the best team in the East record-wise and honestly, like, cruise to the finals. They'd, the Bucks would be tough, but I thought the Sixers would win the East kind of easily. That just hasn't happened. That team is so dysfunctional. Um, so going back to my original point, I love the Raptors at 25-1 to to win the title and also 7-1 to to win the East. They've won 14 games in a row, and in the mix of this winning streak, they've had six different leading scorers. So this team is deep, and losing Kawhi is obviously hurts, but Siakam has stepped up. Fred Van Fleet has continued to play great. Ibaka has been playing well. They have this guy Davis, um, what's his first, Terrence Davis, who's a rookie who's been playing well of late. 
they're just deep. They know how to develop guys. Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NBA. So I think once he gets the playoff time, they're going to be ready. They're experienced, and I think they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because everyone kind of wrote mm-hmm. them for dead once Kawhi left. Everyone's talking about the two LA teams. The Bucks are having a great season, so I wouldn't wrap. I wouldn't write off Toronto, especially if they get the two seed and they play the Bucks three more times this year. They won't. They won't catch them uh, in the standings, but that'll be a good barometer to see if they can take them in the series because I think they have the depth to go at Milwaukee. Yeah, so those are those are the two teams I'm targeting in terms of value. Just looking at some of these futures out west, uh, are you intrigued, Tyler? I mean, so the Lakers and Clippers, Lakers plus two seventy five, Clippers plus three fifty. Then next on the list are the forever uh, <laughs> third team up here, the Houston Rockets at fourteen to one. Nuggets sixteen to one, as well as the Jazz. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like we're we're headed for an all LA Western Conference Finals here. Yeah, it would be pretty surprising if that's not the case. Out of those other teams you mentioned, if I'm taking a flyer on one, I like Denver. Um, I don't know. The Jazz just do not excite me. And right now, and especially it all mat- it all comes down to matchups. So with the Jazz, right now they're the four seed. The Lakers are the one. The Lakers have destroyed the Jazz in their matchups this year. So I think the Lakers would have no issues with them. And then Denver's still the two. They're tied with the Clippers right now. If they could get, stay in that two seed, even maybe get the one seed, they're only three back of the Lakers, get home court at least versus one of the L.A. teams, I think they have a shot. They have the experience from last year. Jokic is still a stud. Jamal Murray needs to get more consistent, but... I think that's a team that, out of any of those other teams, can you know make a run. The Lakers, I, I don't know how they're, they're still playing well. I, I know they have the best record in the West, but I, I'm just not a huge believer in our bench. Um, and once LeBron's on the bench, like I don't see how that's going to sustain in the playoffs. And the Clippers just have weird games. They lost by 30 the other night to the T-Wolves with Kawhi and Paul George playing. So they still have to iron some stuff out. So Denver would be the one team uh, at West. Okay, cool. I, uh, Tyler, I think that about wraps it up. Um, first episode, no NFL, but we will continue to... Uh, put out these episodes probably every Sunday night into Monday morning. Uh, we may have to move it around a little bit depending on uh, guest schedules and things like that. But, um, yeah, Tyler, hopefully we uh, NFL season, ups and downs for us. How are you feeling about college basketball now that we have our, our boy Greg? I'm feeling great after some of those tips he gave us. Going to start listening to his pod. I feel like I'm going to become a great uh, gambler for college basketball. I think so too. I think we may start up the Loud and Love uh, fan club. Get on it early, a month and a half before this thing really takes off. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. 
Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.